G'day and welcome to Turning Your Cruising Dreams into Reality Podcasts. I'm Jackie Parry and it's good to have your company. Today I'm going to look back on our stay in Tahiti, tantalising Tahiti. This episode is brought to you by Pantaneous Yacht Insurance. All I needed was a padded sail. The straight jacket is tightening. Red tape is our new sport. I'm starting to think all this is because we have turned renegade, leaving our cruising lifestyle. Delving into books of adventurous seamen living for years on a small, uninhabited island helps to relive our escapades. Reminiscing over our adventures is both good and bad. The thought of Tahiti had me staring into space, looking back at our voyage around the island. We arrived at Papaiti the same day as Noel's daughter, Mel, arrived from Australia. We were nonchalant about the timing, only because we had not considered that marvellous innovation of the dateline. After negotiating low-flying aircraft, we chose the most popular anchorage on the west of the island, south of French Polynesia's capital. Deep, clear water welcomed us into the plethora of tightly packed boats. Supermarkets were a black pearl throwaway and the dusty, dirty city, just a 20-minute bone-shaking bus ride. By this time in our voyage, more than 35,000 nautical miles, I'd become a little tired of Amp's talk and bronze brushes conversations. The prospect of another woman on board was exciting. I planned to get in-depth about clothes, hair and, well, anything but boats. In fact, we were both looking forward to playing host to our long-awaited guest. On trawling through our emails, we read a note from Mel. I arrive on the 22nd of July, not the 23rd. Four hours later, damp, dishevelled sailors and the disturbing disorder of Mariah's innards met Mel. Throughout our voyage, we always took opportunity to wander off the beaten track. The inland waterways of America, the French canals are two favourites of mine. With no inland waterways in Tahiti, we decided to circumnavigate the island. Who, in their right mind, heads east across the Pacific at this latitude? Friends' pitiful smiles had sent us off, confirming that Mariah too was doing their thing again. But we were used to that. With triplicate sighs of relief, we hauled anchor and watched the maelstrom of Papiti disappear over the smoggy horizon. It turned out that whose idea it was to circumnavigate Tahiti depended on conditions. When we hit confused, restless seas, it seemed to be my decision. When we cleared the agitated water and witnessed the exquisite, barely explored shores of the southwest of the island, Noel took the credit. Tucked between the Nui and Iti, big part of Ireland and little part, Port Phaeton was a peaceful sanctuary. Weaving through vibrant and intimidating coral reefs, we were thankful of the meticulous boy system that led us safely through. Rewards of short, sharp mountains striking through clouds, excellent protection and good holding met us in a roomy bay. 
Even the muddy water and skin-nipping critters did not tarnish the coarse swim I relished each day. The charming bay housed a small marina with haul-out facilities and a safe dinghy landing at a local's house, who was happy for dinghies to tether in his garden. Henrique offered us water and advice. The compact, amiable town offered supermarkets, post office, internet and hardware stores. The extortionate prices of Papiti toned down to simply exorbitant. Silent noise stroked Mariah and caressed our ears, in chorus with the pure breeze that lacked the city's pungent vapour. Good idea of mine, Noel muttered into his hard-earned sundowner. In good old Mariah too fashion, we left a safe serene harbour to quell our voyaging first. The target, 32 nautical miles to Bay de Tortilla. The day was black, the sea lumpy, and the wind became particularly difficult, whacking us hard on the nose. We heard moans and whimpers from below as Mel tried to cope with the arcane world of being on a boat in confused seas. This was a dumb idea, stated Noel, staring pointedly at me. As the winds hugged the jagged mountains, Mariah became a perpetual weathercock and words such as retreat, defeat and duh were heard whistling across our soggy decks. As we started to discuss our flight back, Mother Nature took pity on us and smoothed the waters, which allowed the sails to fill with a beam reach. The entrance was wide and deep, permitting Mariah and crew and the grey cloud that joined us for the day to putter slowly in without much ado. Tortilla, on the north-east of Tahiti, Iti, has a petite village with a well-provisioned shop where prices shift into the expensive instead of exorbitant category. Shy locals were easygoing and accommodated our attempts at French. Relaxing island music wafted into the shallow anchorage where we were firmly dug in. Reality swam its way back into our tranquil anchorage and hunkering down in the black sand, we took advantage of running water on shore to catch up with the building laundry. Dreams are made of tiny soft sand islands, handsome palm trees and crystal water. Motunona Island, 10 nautical miles from Torita, has a dazzling beach. Anchoring a short swim away in deep water, I snorkeled ashore while Mel and her dad carried lunch, water and themselves in Matilda, the name of our current dinghy. Even the two or three other groups of visitors did not upset the equilibrium of the slice of heaven. Sitting in the shade of palm trees, we silently absorbed the breathtaking views. The mainland stands high and proud with the green velvets of jaggy peats punctuated by the scudding rain clouds. Heavy cumulonimbus clung to the zenith and sagged in the troughs, thickening and feeding the abundant plant life. Departing our magical lunch site, we travelled north for about six nautical miles. Destination, Ponte Tefoa. A consistent reef circumnavigates Tahiti, much of it causing too many shallows to allow a completely protected run. From Motunono Island to Ponte Tefoa, much of the journey was protected by the glorious reef. 
but this had its pitfalls. Reaching our proposed anchor site at four in the afternoon, we found the tiny harbour on our charts big enough for Ken and Barbie's boat, but not Mariah too. Don't worry, our illustrious leader said. We have a few hours, plenty of time to find an alternative. For two hours, I scurried about in Matilda, our dinghy. Chucking the lead was more my style. Abundant anchorages of 25 metres were scattered along the coast. However, our anchor winch had decided to have its own holiday and shallow anchorages were our arms muscles preference. Suddenly the deep blue shoal to less than a metre with vivid coral shells. Matilda's bottom became a little sore and the air somewhat bluer than the water. As dusk hinted on the horizon, much to Mel's horror, we discussed overnighting to Venus Point. Mel's reluctance was backed up with mine. Matilda survived her ungainly scrapes. I was not prepared to risk the mother ship. With shortening tempers created from fear, we journeyed two miles south to reach the pass into the ocean. Our charts indicated a possible anchorage near the entrance the fair weather permitting us a luxury of one last possibility of a night at anchor. As I warned Diggy and my weary body cautiously puttered in a small, inviting bay, my hopes were raised as I sounded seven to twelve metre depth, with enough swing room before the treacherous coral. The miserable crew on board Mariah morphed into happy bunnies. After a peaceful night, we woke to the grandeur of verdant valleys and statuesque peaks, where a cascading waterfall plunged down shiny rocks like Rapunzel's lavish hair. By sheer fluke, it was Sunday, and we traipsed in the direction of the fresh falling water. Roaming through muddy paths, we thought the recently cleared foliage hinted at plans. We could fathom no reason for the incomplete path, except perhaps a tourist walk in the making, to create an easy and maybe costly, stroll to the waterfall. Slightly smug at the deserted tours and a little soggy in the sucking mud, we reached the gushing hum of the breath-snatching cool water. Childish splashing and giggling soaked up the morning and our cool bodies hot-footed it back to Mariah because we didn't want to chance our luck in an unprotected anchorage. As we stood on Venus Point on the footsteps of the early explorers, we tried to envision what they saw. The scattered houses and thundering rows that are mimicked around the world in every city would not have been here. Instead, the verdant splendour that carpets the mountains would reach the shores, stopping short at the black beaches. The 22 nautical mile journey to Venus Point was hot and still. Marai's Yanmar punched her through the smooth water to the famous landmark, we heard the family fun on the raven beaches and in the transparent water before we saw the town. The town was busy and dirty. Highlights include a tourist trip to the leper colony. We decided to pass on that one. We tested the perfect water temperature many times over our three-day stay. The soft breeze cooled the boat and Venus Point sheltered us from any fetch. The searching beams of Stevenson's lighthouse accompanied the still black nights, while Bly's and Cook's landing went unmentioned. Time ticked on and Mel had one week left and we wanted to spend four days at Morea, Tahiti's neighbouring island. First we needed some supplies and our winch repaired. 
a board meeting of captain, guest and scapegoat, aka me, was promptly organised with ample refreshments. As the sun tickled the horizon and offered the glorious gifts of shifting yellows and burnt orange, point one on the agenda was broached. Where to go next? To the original anchorage near Marina Taina? Morea? Or try for an anchorage north of Papaiti? We chose the third option for somewhere different, plus it was walking distance to the town and near the mechanic who had fixed the anchor winch once and should damn well do it again. Five miles west, we reached the main fishing port of Tahiti. The proud, professionally maintained fishing fleet lined up against industrial wars and we putted around for an hour, indecisive of where to anchor in the deep port. Near a thinning hedge, 17 metres was located. At the edge of the channel, we parked Mariah and felt rather chuffed at our pioneering discoveries. Gas refills were a short dinghy ride away, as was diesel. The mechanic was two boat lengths from the shore and water was easily available at the small marina. The town was a ten minute walk and if you ignored the layer of scum floating on the water and the perpetual chemical smell, the anchorage was perfect. We tackled jobs ashore, we were relieved to be ignored as we were out of the way of the surprisingly sparse traffic. No one cared that we had anchored in the port and we took advantage of having all things required nearby. The following day, after the winch had been repaired, we left for Morea. We vividly remember Tahiti's magic, her enchanted valleys, her plethora of facilities, her superb anchor sites and her kind people. And now, sitting on Maria River, New South Wales, still on board Mariah, we regularly reminisce over the past eight years. Next week we start the Master 5 course. Ironically, learning about boats after sailing around the planet. Bureaucracy is like a heavy backpack, with registration and licences required for anything that might move, and the extortionate price of being part of land life. It makes us twirl our onboard globe regularly and claw at the straitjacket living. The revolving door of indecision is heading on a backswing. I do hope you enjoyed our tale of circumnavigating Tahiti. I must apologise for my pronunciation of some of the names. But if you head on over to sistershiptraining.com and click on media, you'll be able to read this article, see some photos and a map of Tahiti. And you can actually see the names I was trying to pronounce. This was a few years ago now. And that door of indecision did swing back for us. We purchased a second sailboat. We sold Mariah, purchased our second sailboat in San Francisco and spent two years cruising the southern part of the South Pacific and saw Easter Island and Pitcairn, the Gambiers, on a new boat, a bigger boat and a whole new adventure. After that, we spent a few years on the great European canals on a 1920s X bunker barge and now we're on our own adventure on a rural property somewhere in New South Wales and still enjoying the simplicities of life I'll bring you more stories of our other adventures I do hope you had fun listening and I hope you'll join me again my name's Jackie Parry 
and I wish you safe sailing.